Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good morning, my leaping friends. This is Errol McLinden. I am a mindset and project coach in the Chicago area. And my show is on every other week on Mondays at 11 o'clock Central Time. Um, My background is that I have uh, trained and have a certification, uh, professional certified, uh, certified professional coach. And what I have done with my training, and I've had that for three years, is I initially worked with uh, the transgender community and with caregivers, both professional caregivers and with uh, family caregivers, mainly with Alzheimer's, uh, caregivers for Alzheimer's patients. But my practice has evolved this year into working with people on long-term projects. And that can be projects that they've chosen or in instances of people who have found themselves out of work, either by their own choice or by uh, fate, (laughs) circumstances. Uh, my approach to people who are out of work is that's a beautiful blank canvas. So let's get a project. Let's really look at what you want to do and, and make job hunting more of a project, not just of a routine of going through uh, job listings every few days. So that's what I do. I work with some relationships, but my relationship uh, clients also have projects of their own. Uh, one's working on a ministry, their own personal ministry service. One's working on a nonprofit uh, to uh, assist mothers who've lost children to violence in Chicago. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, what is this show? This show is for people who are in the midst of taking a leap, people who are thinking about taking a leap, people who are afraid of taking a leap. Today's show is really going to focus on that aspect or people who don't know where to leap. And that's really going to be the focus of the show today. Today's show is all about people finding their passion. A lot of times it's very difficult to identify your passion or there are things that block your passion. You can't take a leap without knowing what you are passionate about. Uh, And so that is why it is always possible uh, to um, dig a little deeper. And that's exactly what I do with people is I ask them to dig a little deeper in identifying what is your passion? What is your passion? Sometimes we've got to go back 30 or 40 years to discover a passion that was left behind. And we'll talk about that today. The last portion of my program today, I'm going to do something a little different. I got a wonderful email from a a listener, Lawrence. And uh, Lawrence, if you're listening today, I am going to give you a very detailed email back. But Lawrence was asking about some of the challenges in becoming a coach and some of the challenges uh, in coaching. 
And I want to address that because I think some of you out here, out there, maybe your leap is wanting to be a coach. And so I'll talk to you in terms of uh, before, during, and after some of the challenges because it is a open, uh, open arena. It is there's because there's so many niches, there's so many different possible people that can be helped. I'm a strong, strong believer in coaches. I have a coach. I've always had a coach, and I have seen miraculous uh, results from coaching. I have success stories this week uh, with a client who was job hunting who has landed the ideal job. One of the things in job hunting that I do is I refuse to accept lack of experience. If you dig deeply enough, you will find applicable experience in the field and the dream job that you want. Otherwise, that root passion would not be there. My client dug deeply. She listed experience that she had going all the way back for that would apply to this dream job and bingo, she got the dream job these things work. And so it's a very rewarding career. Uh, it's a very open career. And so I will address a little bit of the, a few of the questions toward the end. This is an interactive show. So if you are listening live, you can call in at 646-716-9397. Hit the number one on your phone dial and that puts you through to my show. Uh, I welcome questions, comments, challenges. Or if you are in the midst of a leap or considering a leap and would like some coaching on air, I love doing that. If you really want to arrange that at another time, and this addresses the next part of it. If you're listening to this as an archived broadcast, send me an email. I love hearing from people that have listened to the show. Uh, send me an email with your questions. I will always address those in the next show if I believe that they were are, more, are universal, and I, in most cases they are, if you are dealing with an issue or a challenge, I can guarantee you there's some more people in the world who are as well. So I like to bring that out in my radio show, just like I'm doing today. So that's the way to reach me. My email address is errol.maclinden at gmail.com. And you can verify the spelling of my name uh, in the heading for this show in the listing of episodes. And I love hearing from you. So what is your passion? I wish I had a dollar for every time I ask that question of a potential client or a new person I'm talking to that gave me a blank look or said, I don't know. It's a very normal thing to not know your passion because it's a very frightening thing to tie into a passion. A passion is fire. It's hot. It's a frightening thing because along with a passion comes a obligation, a pressure, a challenge to do something about it. To ignore a passion results in a lot of pent-up anxiety, a lot of denial, a lot of ignoring a true path. And so a lot of times it's much easier 
to say, I don't know what my passion is. And we will talk today about why people don't know their passion. We are passionate creatures. We are born passionate. If you've ever watched a child playing a game or chasing bubbles or swimming in a pool or playing imaginary games like they are in a forest or in the woods or in the jungle or they're swinging from trees, there's no half way of doing it with children. Everything is passionate. Everything is on fire. And that is the key. I encourage you, if you don't know your passion, to sit down quietly for an hour and take a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and start listing all the things you've ever thought of doing or dreamed of doing. And the ones that elicit a feeling of fire, and I always point it's middle of my chest, the heart chakra. I believe the heart chakra generates passion. And when I'm talking to people and clients and I'm talking to them about passion, so many times I am gesturing to the center of my chest and, and almost a flowing motion of, of something flowing out of my chest, sort of an alien in a good way gesture where I feel the fire. When I talk about my coaching, when I talk about my acting, when I look forward to new projects that are on the horizon for me that I'm passionate about, I feel a heat there. And you can sometimes actually put your hand there and feel a physical heat. That is a very strong indication that you have found your passion. Now, here's the deal. It's very normal to block your passion. Why? As I said before, a passion carries an obligation. A passion carries a need to act, a call to action. Or you have the alternative to ignore the passion and that results in anxiety, tension, and feeling of failure or feeling of denial, you can deny. So here are the things that block passion. Fear, obviously, and we'll talk about those fears, and I've talked about them in previous broadcasts. Outside voices, what other people hear, are saying to you now or have said to you in the past. And this doesn't have to be negative. We'll cover that in a moment. It can be positive things, too. Uncertainty. Not seeing the entire road in front of you. I got news for you. You're never going to see the entire road in front of you. A few episodes back, I talked about there are organizations, uh, coffee shops, uh, chain drugstores, chain coffee shops that have a very structured system out in place that you can say, go into them and get hired and say, I want to manage a coffee shop in the next nine months, a year. And they will hand you a structured pattern to say, these are the things you have to do to own this coffee shop. And if you do those things, you will own a coffee shop. And for a lot of people, that safe structure is exactly what they want. But even, and actually it's, 
it's a very interesting thing. I got an email from someone asking, what was that coffee shop that offers that? So there are people out there that that is perfect for. But the leapers, the entrepreneurs, the dreamers, the people who achieve their dream, that is not the way to go. And I bring this up because that would appear to be a very certain thing. However, what if a family crisis moves in place? What if you suddenly have to move to a different state or a different locality that doesn't have one of those coffee shops? What if that coffee shop decides to close down? Now, yes, maybe they can relook. They probably have, have options for that. But nothing is certain. I don't care how well you plot your life out and how well you think that you have the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the bag and that you can see every aspect of it. There's always uncertainty. Another reason is just a resistance to leap. And this goes along the same line. A lot of people feel very safe and comfortable with satisfaction. I had a wonderful director in college who always said, never be satisfied. So we'll talk about that. And so fear, outside voices, uncertainty, resistance, F-O-U-R. It spells for, I don't know, it doesn't mean anything in terms of an, an anagram. Is that what it is? An acronym that um, means anything, but there are four items it spells for. It just happened to work out that way. Again, this is an interactive program. The phone number is 646 716-9397. Hit one if you would like to speak with me. I'll put you right on the show. If you're listening in archives, email me at errol.mclinden at gmail.com. So let's talk about fear. And I did talk about this in a previous show about taking a leap. Now we're talking about identifying the leap. This is the step before taking the leap, but the same fears exist. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, and fear of success. Now, we're not on the edge of the cliff yet. We don't even know we have a cliff. Someone has asked us, what is your passion? And the gut reaction is, I don't know, or I don't have a passion. So when you sit down and list all of these items and start to think about, what is my passion? The very first thing you are going to feel before you feel that fire as you run across these various items is fear. And the main thing is fear of the unknown. If you have a passion that you have never attempted, fear of the unknown is the number one fear. What is this going to look like? How is this going to change my life? And we'll talk a little more about this with the uncertainty aspect, but the fear is the thing to uncover. My whole thing, and you've heard it many times before, is leap and grow your wings on the way down. Fear you're going to feel. The more fear you feel, that is a strong indication that you have found the direction you should be going. Your path every day should have an element of fear in it or you're not stretching and growing. You have to stretch and grow to accomplish great things. Ironically, that is a line from a show that I just finished about a hero's journey. You have to grow and change to accomplish great things. 
And that is such a true line. Many people are very satisfied with staying where they are. So fear of the unknown, accept it. You don't know what's on the other side of that door. You don't have to open that door, but that is the equivalent of not growing. Fear of failing is a very normal human thing. We, If you were brought up in my, my uh, age, in, in my uh, generation, let me say, and I'm a baby boomer, and some of the generations that followed me, we all participated in competition, in competitive sports. And it was so focused on the winners, the people who got first, second, and third prize. Now, I wasn't an athlete, but I, my thing was science fairs. And I advanced in that. And then when I got into acting, it was always, even in that, it was competitive. Now, I know the most contemporary theories are non-competitive sports, and don't get me started on that because I have a very strong opinion that the world is competitive. That's all I'll say on it. But what it ingrains in us as human beings is a fear of failing, of not getting first, second, or third place. But you know what? If you don't compete... If you don't get out in that competitive world, I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, you will never get first, second, or third place. And failure is a very strong teacher. If you never fail, you're not stretching. One of my clients wants to do a video blog or a podcast on failure. That that Because failure, if you listen to podcasts on on uh Startups on people who are growing and, and, and achieving things, there will always be an aspect in their story when they're telling it from the time they started to their success where there was failure, where they were eating ramen every day, where they didn't know where the next penny was coming from. Failure is a part of leaping. And finally, failure of success, and this is the one that always gets a kind of a snicker, but failure uh, fear of success is very powerful. What if I succeed in this? Does it mean I lose friends? Do I have to move? Do, does it mean mainly that I lose spare time, time to do things? So these are the fears that block our passion. I don't have a simple solution to overcoming fear when doing your passion. All I can tell you is that the bigger the fear, the bigger the opportunity, and the more strongly I would recommend that you launch into that leap immediately because the payoff is huge. The greater the fear, the greater the success. And no one, no one who has accomplished great things, J.K. Rowling, um, Bruce Springsteen, um, I'm thinking of people who have great stories, Sylvester Stallone. None of these people accomplished what they accomplished by giving in to fear. They fought the fear. They challenged the fear. So as you're going down your list, in addition to looking for things that give you that heat 
in the center of your chest, that excitement. Look for things that generate a fear. It more than likely will culminate in those being the very same things. Let's talk about outside voices. I find so many people denying their their passion, ignoring their passion, shoving their passion deep down inside of them because of things people have said to them. And this is very sad for me. And it can be so inconsequential. It can be something that when we actually dig into it in the coaching was something that that person who made the statement to my client never really intended at the level. But we as humans tend to hear things magnified 10 times of what they are said. So something very insignificant A mother saying to a daughter, oh, you were never good at math, may stop that daughter from doing something that's math-related 30 years later. Or someone saying to someone offhand, just a friend saying, oh, you're too old to start a business, may stop the passion right there. Or they'll never hire a woman for that job. Or they will never hire someone without a master's degree. Now, I've got a quick story. I'm going to start as an adjunct faculty in family medicine at Indiana University. The job requirements, the requirements for the job required a master's. I do not have a master's. I went to graduate school, and I took all the courses for a master's, and then I got a job doing lights and sound for country music shows, which left me with uh, the choice of making money or spending money. And the mercenary that I am, I took the making money and traveled with country music groups for a year and a half and never got back and wrote my thesis. So I applied for the job that required a master's, and I now got the job. Now, if I had even let that listing of that job say, oh, my goodness, they require a master's. I don't have a master's. They are not going to hire me. I wouldn't be hired today. When people ask me if they should uh, audition for a role, or apply for a job? My answer is always yes, even if it's against all the qualifications. My my philosophy is let the director decide, let the HR person decide. Why are you going to not hire yourself before giving them the chance to hire you? So outside voices are very, very powerful because why? We crave approval. We crave winning. We don't want to fail, and we don't want anyone to think that we are crazy, that we are stupid, that we are insane for trying for these things. But once again, if you go back and read biographies of people who are successful – you will find that they have outside voices. My last show was on naysayers and how to overcome some of those, so I won't go into that right now. But I will say that outside voices often become our inside voices. What we hear people say to us on the outside, we start to say to ourselves. And here is what I suggest you do is get some practice in positive self-talk. Talk out loud to yourself in the car, not on a bus, maybe. That might get you, uh, well, it'll get you a seat because no one will sit next to you. But say good, positive things to yourself. Go into projects, 
job interviews, relationships, with all of this feeling of the positive. Because believe me, in rare instances, you will have friends who are very supportive of the, not in rare instances, let me rephrase that. You are going to find once you do this passion, follow your passion, you will find people come out of the woodwork who support you. And you will also find people come out of the woodwork who don't support you. And their motivation is exactly the same. Their desire to have a passion. They don't have a cliff. And the ones who are happy to see someone else go out and find their cliff and leap off of it are going to be the ones who support you. The ones who are jealous of the fact that you have taken the time to leap off that cliff and left them behind miles away from a cliff are going to be the ones saying, you sure you want to do this? This is really risky. I, I can't believe you're putting that much work in on it. So you are very blessed if you are leaping and you have that support system. It often happens that those outer voices are. So the more we hear those outer voices, the more they become inner voices. So many times when I talk to a new client or a potential client and we're tracing back where these voices come from, first thing I hear is the inner voice. Why are you hesitant to do this? Well, because I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I really should just get a job rather than pursue something I really dream of. Uh, I and, and when I trace this back, I find that many times those very same words have been traced back to a spouse, a brother or sister, a father or mother, someone within a church, someone within another organization, just because you haven't been successful at one job and you've heard from a supervisor that these are your faults and these are your errors doesn't mean that in another situation you cannot excel. So just a quick reminder, this is a call-in show, 646-716-9397. Hit one to come in if you're listening in your uh, after the fact, after the Monday morning show and would like to contact me, please, please, please send an email to errol.manklinden at gmail.com. The spelling is on the listing of episodes. Love to hear from people. Let's talk about uncertainty. This is one that I see most often in people who are perfectionist. You want to see every aspect of the road in front of you before you take a step because Perfection is your name. You have got to be perfection. You've got to win. This also comes back to the whole winning thing. Often these are alpha personalities. A lot of people I work with in my medical school career uh, are medical students. Believe me, extreme alpha personalities. The demographic in medical schools is very interesting because people coming into medical schools have been have have excelled in usually from junior high through high school, uh, through college, through pre-med. All of that has been excelled. They're great at math. They're great at chemistry. Uh, they're great at the biological sciences. They are great in assessing, uh, assessing and solving problems, logical thinking. 
These have excelled throughout their individual schools. When they all come to medical school, it is this wonderful pool of excellent, brilliant individuals. But now they aren't in a position of excelling. They are in with a group of their peers who are just as excellent as they are. And it's a one, it takes a tremendous mind shift to accept that you can't be the top in this group. You might be second, and believe it or not, that's like failing to many students. And that's a good thing because that need to excel is going to result in excellent doctors, excellent nurses, excellent physician assistants, nurse practitioners, physical therapists, pharmacists, occupational therapists. All of these people are so driven that they are going to excel, and that's that's going to mean a, a tremendous workforce in the medical field in the future. But this perfectionist attitude will work in that in that situation. It rarely works in other situations because perfect doesn't exist. I always conv- I always um say to my clients, progress not perfection. Let's just make progress. You've heard me say this before. I am not a huge fan of five-year plans because they change so quickly. It is so unpredictable that they will persist for five years. I'm a 13-week guy. It's okay to know where you would like to go in thirteen uh, in five years, but let's just check in every 13 weeks and say, is that where you still need to go? Just this week, I heard from a potential client who said, I've decided I don't want my business to go any bigger. I've decided that I'm kind of happy where I am. This is somebody that I wanted to work with on a biweekly basis to really build this business into a huge organization. That's fine. If we had said this is our five-year goal, the feeling she would have right now is one of failure because I'm giving it up. As it is, we were just saying, let's grow it, let's grow it. She's taken a an assessment of it and said, this is as big as I want it. Now it's no longer a failure because you're not reaching your five-year goal. It's just saying, this is where I am. This is good. Progress, not perfection, because you might find out suddenly you are in a perfect situation, but working toward it can be very frustrating. Winners and perfectionists have a really tough time with taking a leap because they have to have a guarantee that they're going to succeed. And the only way to get around this uncertainty is to trust that you have succeeded in the past. Why in the world would you not succeed in the future? Reverse assumptions. I've talked about this before. As human beings, we think, oh, my goodness, we focus on when we failed in the past, so I'm going to fail again. Everyone has succeeded at some point in their life, even if it was a first grade spelling test. Why can't you imagine succeeding again? And last, resistance to leap. This desire to baby step, this desire to have a safety net. I'll do it a little later. I'll do it when I get more money, or I'll do it uh, when I turn 30, or I'll do it when my baby is... is, uh, in in elementary school, I have an incredible client 
an incredible client who is working toward a one-woman show and a CD, a lovely, lovely lady who has worked with me for three or four months, had a baby a week ago, a little over a week ago. And I contacted her and said, you know, I know you're going to want some time with the baby. Um, you know, you'll have to let me know when you want to come back. And she said, I, I want to come back next week. Let, let's Skype next week. This, we've just done that. Let's Skype next week. And she said, because I want to, you know, get right back into this. And so in the Skype session, I was at fault by thinking, okay, baby steps back into this, no pun intended. And I said, you know, let, you, you know, I know you'll have time with the baby, but do let's just, you know, ease back into it. She was the one that said, I want to write the first section and have it ready to go by, by the next two weeks. She's driven. She's had her first baby, but she still doesn't want to settle in and just do baby steps. She wants to still continue to leap. I admire that. I am so proud of that. Uh, she is a beacon for anyone who wants to just tiptoe into it. There is no tiptoeing off a cliff because you won't go off the cliff. You'll tiptoe to the edge and you'll tiptoe a little closer, but you're not going to make the leap. That is no way to leap because I guarantee you, you will never take the leap. Baby steps. Now, I talked about this a few shows back is – there is a point, a tipping point in this whole scenario where you have got to take that next step, not a baby step, but a big step to step off that cliff. And it's just one step. It's applying for a uh, job. It's applying for school. It's asking someone out on a date. It's putting the name of your book in your signature line. So you were saying to the world, I'm writing a book. There is one step where you uh, have made that commitment. You have gone down one road. You've, you've left off the crib. You've taken the crossroads and you've gone one road. And that's the thing I, this is how I deal with people who are wanting to tiptoe to the edge. I look for that huge step, that one step that's going to require courage and accepting and facing fear, and it will mean that when you have made that step, you are off the cliff. And, and that's the thing I will push anyone I see tiptoeing to the edge to do. Sometimes, and this is going to sound, sound extremely scary, it's quitting a job. Because as long as you have a safety net of an income and maybe benefits – you're going to still tiptoe. You take that away and suddenly your 40 hour a week job or more becomes your passion. And you will hit that with as much power and energy as anything you've ever done in your life. The burn boat theory was something that has come down through the ages. When an army felt they were outnumbered or overcome, uh, and they were approaching the enemy by water, they would land the boats and then they would burn them. By burning them, there were two options, win or die. There was no retreat. It guaranteed that they would fight with 
so much passion. And they're historically, they're story after story after story of underdogs overcoming other armies because of that knowledge that there's no going back. There's only going forward. So as scary as it is, if someone has a job that's a safety net, I strongly encourage them to wean themselves off of that. Maybe not just quit right away, but set up immediately a way to cut hours, uh, to cut a commitment to that, because the more that job disappears, the more the passion fills the space. Okay, so those are the four things that stop people from even knowing they have a cliff. If you don't have a cliff, if you don't know what your passion is, spend some time this week, I beg you, spend some time this week going over everything in your life from the time you were a child up. If you wanted to be a firefighter when you were a kid, and that's still buried deep within you and is not being honored, and you still can fit the qualifications for it, why not pursue it? My friend that I went to school with, um, the, the thing that I always said to myself sort of over these years is that if I were younger, I'd probably be in the medical profession. And I use that as an excuse for not going to nursing school or physical therapy school or, or physician assistant school. And I'm very happy where I am. I get to do a lot with those, uh, with those, uh, with the medical schools. But I said that to myself and made a trip home to Mississippi when my mother was in the hospital. And when I went in to see about her, I heard a voice say, Errol, you're in town. And I looked up and I see a classmate of mine who is a nurse. Now, this person was in real estate with his father's real estate company until I left my home. And as far as I knew, continuing on into almost retirement age, he should have been working for it. He had his father's name. He was junior. The real estate company had that name. He was destined to do that. Now he is a nurse. And I asked him what happened. He said, I finally just sold the company and did what I always wanted to do, which was to be a nurse. And he is, and he's happy with it. He did this probably at the age of like 52. I have another friend who was in uh, administration of the arts for years, had really gotten settled into it, who became a writer at a little younger age. But again, this was something that had been brewing and cooking in the case of Charlie, my friend who is the nurse, for 50 years, maybe not that long, maybe 40 years, but he finally brought that to the surface and was completely happy. Better late than never. Absolutely. Better to go into it later. Uh, find your passion and pursue it. So that's my message to you is spend some time this week if you don't have a cliff, if you don't have a passion, and then invest in that passion. Don't let the fear, don't let the outside voices, don't let the resistance to leave, don't let the uncertainty stop you. Once you've found it, leap and grow your wings on the way down. You will find so much energy, so much passion, so much exhilaration from finally doing it. It's like unleashing something that's been building up and trapped inside you all of your life. So your passion list should not be done in a rushed manner. Your passion list should be done 
in a location that's quiet, set it up with your coffee, uh, with your iced tea, uh, go to the space where you feel the most productive, coffee shop, a couch in your house, in the sunshine, uh, your favorite reading chair, get your favorite pen. I'm a big one for tactile. Get a pen that you love the feeling of the writing. Get a journal or a notepad or whatever you feel is going to make you feel like writing. Find a time of day. Is it better in the morning? Is it better at night? But settle in and just give it several hours. Don't rush. There's no required number of things to list. Think in terms of jobs you've always wanted to do, groups of people you've always wanted to help, hobbies you've always wanted to try. Just freeform, write it out. Nothing is too ridiculous. You want to start a, a dog farm and take in 60 dogs and buy three acres, five, five, 10, 20 acres of land to have a dog farm? Dream, dream big, dream bigger. Is that all you got? Dream unusually. Put things together. A lot of times with clients that I'm working with on this type of project, I put a bunch of nouns, nouns in a hat, and I have them pull out two nouns. Apple sign. And we just kind of brainstorm of what does that suggest to you? What what ideas do those come up with? But take time with this. Spend several hours with this, either in a bulk amount of time or in smaller segments to sit down and then keep that journal or that piece of paper handy. And I suggest doing this for a week as ideas come up to you. Someone might say something to you in the street or you might get an email or you might see something on Facebook and say, wow, there's somebody helping out with this project with an organic farm in the city. Wow, I wonder if they need people. That's something I've always wanted to do. I love plants. Uh, maybe that's what I want to do. Follow your passion. Follow the fire. Okay. And then here's what I suggest doing, and I'm just going to talk through this briefly because you'll find your own words with it, is to find your passion meditation. Close your eyes, breathe deeply, put your feet firmly on the floor or lie on your back, something that makes you comfortable. And in this period, do, do a little bit of a moment to get grounded. A lot of times what I do is envision a white light coming down through the top of my head, coming all the way through me and anchoring into the floor so that I have this light flowing through me. That's inspiration. That's creativity. That's messages from a higher power. And the fact that it's anchored into the ground keeps me from being too flighty and flowing away. And once you've done that, and that, that can take three or four minutes, focus on this chosen passion. Envision yourself in that passion. Envision yourself doing that passion. Not just imagining, but physically, emotionally, and spiritually feeling yourself in that space. 
Spend a good 15 minutes with this passion. And what you should do during that time is to assess your feelings. Imagine the before, the middle, and the after, how you're going to set up the passion, but go straight to what it'll be like to help these people. What it'll be like to have this job. What will it be like to paint that picture, to create, to create that song, to do that photography, to have the lavender farm? What will it feel like to be in that space in that time? And then immerse yourself in those feelings. See that passion at its most successful. You just sold the company to a nationwide company so that your vision and your dream is now going nationwide. You are doing things to help people. Your nonprofit is saving lives and making people more aware of gun violence or your you just have landed this amazing job and you are six months into it and you are helping children and you are comfortable financially and you love going to work every day. That's where you, you break away for a moment and, and immerse yourself in the emotions that are present in that most successful moment, fulfillment, peace. Those are the things that you have and at that point come up with a word one word or two words that identify that highest feeling of emotion for you slowly bring yourself out of that meditation and say that word or those words to yourself say them three times and and with each time connect a little stronger to that feeling of success and then figure out what the first step is for your passion and go do it within the next 24 hours sign up for that course go give a job application to the place you've always dreamed you wanted to work ask that person out for a date that you've always wanted to ask out make that your very next step so in recap, the things that stop people from finding their fa- passion or ignoring their passion or the people are denying their passion because so many people do this are either fear, outside voices that eventually become inside voices, uncertainty, not seeing the full road ahead of you, and resistance to taking the leap, wanting to tiptoe up to it. Let's just test it and see how it's going. I've used this example before. No kid learns to ride the bike by just tiptoeing into it. They jump on the bike and ride, or someone puts it on in, uh, on it like I was and pushes you down a hill. You ride. Kids don't learn to swim by just easing into the water. They get into the water and they, they experience the water. They don't tiptoe in. They, they have no fear. And we have to watch that with kids, but not with adults. You should have no fear. So take some time this week if you are If you have no cliff or you're standing way back from the edge of the cliff, to list your passions, find your passion, meditate, commit to the passion, and then take that step. All right. So call in episode, the call in number is 646-716-9397. Hit one in order to get into the show. If you're listening on the archived shows, 
send me an email at errol.mclinden at gmail.com. I welcome comments. I welcome criticisms because if I can't if I can't answer a criticism, maybe you're right. <laughs> you know, I am not perfect, so I love challenges. Uh, nothing I say on my show uh, is there. There is nothing that I say on my show that I'm not willing to back up and support and argue about. Uh, but if you feel like there's a there's a, another side to the story or you found some of the things I'm suggesting have not worked for you, please get in touch with me. Uh, I'd love to have someone on the show as a guest who is thinking of taking a leap or is in the midst of the leap to talk about what you've experienced, what's worked, what hasn't worked, uh, where the failures were, how you overcame them, or how you didn't overcome them. Uh, All of these are learning situations for everyone involved. In the last portion of my show, I do want to talk about – an email that I received and I want to address this because I do feel like there are a lot of people out there who may be considering a career in, um, in um, coaching and what it involves. And so I'm just going to read a portion of this uh, that um, I was wondering what kind of frustrations, joy, or any other inconvenience you could be experienced in the profession of coaching. I am trying to move to a coaching life full time, uh, but I've not resigned yet. What would you say are the biggest frustrations to overcome as a lifetime coach? Uh, so th- th- this is a w- something that I run across people all the time, and that's why I'm putting it in on my radio shows. People, when they find out I'm a coach all the time, will ask me about what I think some of the biggest challenges are in coaching. And so my thing is before Uh, and during uh, the initial phases of becoming a coach, the greatest question that comes up is, do you choose a niche or a niche, or do you become a coach for everyone? And there are two schools of thought. The school that trained me was very big on finding that niche, that you can't be something for everyone. Um, I've come to, I've evolved because the people that I help cover a broad range of of topics, from relationship coaching to looking for jobs to starting businesses to pursuing artistic careers. So I created the term project and mindset coach. I sort of worked in reverse, but it basically is a non-niche or a non-niche uh, situation that I work in. That's something that I discovered for me. But one of the first things to do is to find out who you want to work with. And this directly ties into finding your passion. Find people and and group types that really mean something to you. Maybe you've been through a challenge in your personal life and you want to share what you have learned in that with other people who may go through it. It's a very powerful place to be because now you're not just a coach, but you are a mentor because you have been through it. I'm a coach because I'm not a filmmaker. Uh, I'm not out of work. Uh, I can relate some of the things I've been through to my life in my life to other people and what they're pursuing, but I'm not a mentor. Now, someone who asked me about becoming a coach, I am a coach to coaches and I have a coach 
And my coach also acts as a mentor because they've been through that before. So my suggestion to you is first, see if there is a passion that you, of people you want to work with. And if there is, make that your niche, niche, niche. Um, if there isn't, take a couple of months or several months to explore. It may evolve that you don't need a category to be in. You may be able to work with a variety of types of people. On the other side, a category may evolve. You may meet one person and they say, hey, you're great. I want you to work with someone else. Now, the biggest thing in during, before, during, and after is what I'm going to talk about. Before becoming a coach, that's one of the main questions. During your time as a coach, the main thing that I have to constantly remind myself, even to this day, is that the frustration I feel, uh, the anxieties I feel are oftentimes where my clients are not moving along as quickly as I think they should. And that is so wrong on my part. Everyone moves at their own pace, and things that are progress may not appear as progress from the outside to me. And my coach really busts me on this a lot of times when I go and say I'm working with this client, and it seems like we are going backwards. They have to remind me that here's the, here's the uh, analogy that I love. Before an arrow goes forward, you've got to pull it back. So sometimes there's some back steps. So you are not responsible for your client's progress. You can't answer their questions. That's not your job. You're there to ask the questions. They are there to find the answers and they are on their own path at their own speed. So the main thing as a new coach, the frustration you find is wanting everyone. And it's, it's natural to feel this way because you are a coach and you've got to have that desire to see every client succeed, every relationship come out right, every person find the dream job they would like. But that is the biggest frustration. If I allow it to be a frustration, uh, if you're considering coaching, or this could reach out to you if you're in social work or in any sort of uh, profession that helps and relies on people making progress based on your guidance is they have their own pace. They are individuals. They're not robots. They're not puppets. You've got to sit back and relax and let them find their own way. The main challenge with coaching, independent coaching, and this is ongoing, is constantly replenishing clients. Now, I am in a unique situation, and my clients stay with me for a year. Most coaches will be working with clients who are with them for maybe three months, maybe six months. And so it is a job that requires constant replenishing, constantly putting yourself out there. And if you're not a salesman, that's going to be the first thing you say to anyone wanting you to get clients is I'm not a salesman. I equate it to you have a talent and you want to help people or you wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't be wanting to be a coach or a nurse or a doctor or a social worker. So if you are responsible for constantly replenishing your clients, building your, your client base, 
You cannot ever think of it as sales, as making sales calls. You have to think of it as having the answer for people and getting in touch with people who are having situations that they need answers for. You have the answer, not because you have the ability to give them the answer. You have the ability to ask the questions that will bring their own answers out. I know that might be confusing. So the three things as a coach, find your niche or decide you don't need a niche. Your progress, uh, your client's progress is their own progress. You have no control over it and don't feel responsible if they are not moving at the pace you think they should be. They are moving at the correct pace, no matter what pace that is. My clients often come to me and feel very, they look very embarrassed when they come into the session and say, I didn't get anything done this week. My answer to them, that's fine. You made that choice and that's what this week was about. Maybe it's a rest week. Maybe you had some disappointments and you needed to take some downtime. That's perfectly all right. And last but not least, it is a job unless you get with a company that supplies clients where you are constantly having to bring new clients in. I always say, if you had a great meal at a restaurant or you saw this amazing movie, you would go out and tell friends about it, right? You're not trying to sell them a meal at the restaurant. You're not trying to sell them a ticket to that movie. You genuinely are sharing something that meant something to you, was an emotional experience to you, to a friend in hopes that they experience the same thing. Coaching is exactly that. You want everyone in the world. I mean, I'm constantly listening to conversations at tables. I'm constantly asking people about what they're doing at parties and things, not to make a sale. And a lot of times I'll meet with people for free for a couple of hours to find out what they're doing with no intention of selling them anything or take them on as a client but they might have something that will help one of my clients. But I also might realize in the conversation that, wow, you're at a a blockage here. I I could help this person. And then it isn't a matter of selling. It's like, oh my goodness, I know how to get you past this. I know how to get you to the next level. I want to do this with you. So those are the challenges of coaching. Go out. If any of you are considering it, there are a number of wonderful schools. I came through IPEC. They do a 900-hour, three-weekend session with a lot of outside work. So I came into coaching with clients after the very first weekend of work. I found a client. Uh, They give you enough in the first weekend that you can start making money with your profession right up front. And then three months later, you do your second weekend. Three months later, you do your next weekend. by the time I did my third weekend, I had three clients, and uh, it's an, it's great because you've done enough coaching with peers and being coached by peers and by higher level coaches that you've got plenty of resources to go to to help you through those first times through coaching. Uh, if you are doing this and you do want uh, guidance on this, I would love to to offer that uh, two hours of of talking to you about that uh, so we can actually address very specific concerns. And Lawrence, thanks for your email. I will be, (coughs) excuse me, I will be responding to that email with a very long email 
I, I want to do it at a time that I can sit down and really uh, uh, address some of the individual things that you had mentioned. I also offer you as well as anyone else, uh, not only coaches, but anyone who may be interested in um, free coaching. I offer two hours of free coaching to anybody who would like it, either over Skype or over the phone. Again, not selling you anything, just to kind of find out where you are and what you need to, what push you need to go to the next level. Uh, you can email me at errol.maclinden at gmail.com. The uh, I also, if you think you have a very short solution, you need something really short. I've just started with payperminutecoaching.com. That's all one word, all lowercase, payperminutecoaching.com. What that is, is is you can reach me, and if you have a very short question or challenge, uh, we can have a very short session, uh, and then it's done. I found very many times that just two or three, uh, 10, 15 minutes of discussion can often be what's needed to overcome a roadblock. I have a web page. www.roadlesstraveled-errol.com. I have a Facebook page. Uh, All of these things are are here on Blog Talk Radio. And again, I'm here every Monday at 11 o'clock Central, every other Monday at 11 o'clock Central Time. Please respond and let me know you're listening. Let me know what other shows you might have. I have an agenda through December. But I am more than willing to change a topic if there's something specific, even if it's very specific to your challenge, uh, because if you're struggling with it, so are other people. Need to wrap up here. Uh, stay, uh, come on tomorrow. Very special show on here tomorrow at 6.30 Central Time. Um, can't we just get along dealing with racial attitudes and, and racism uh, in America? A group of coaches will be talking. People will be calling in to discuss uh, the current situation and how we might work together to uh, resolve some of the issues. Uh, that's it's again, it's six thirty central time tomorrow. Have a wonderful two weeks. I'll be back here in two weeks with another program on leap. Thanks again for listening and take that leap. <laughs>